It is Tuesday, February 14, the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. Uh, on Valentine's Day, Liverpool and Everton is scoreless, 11 minutes into the Merseyside derby at Anfield this morning. Uh, now, in the weather report, I might have made a blue, folks. Oh, no. What'd you do? Well, I've given the uh, the forecast. You know, I've promised to do a different yep. New South Wales town every day. Mm. And today I did, well, it's Wobbygar. Wobbygar. Which is, what do you call I, I, well, I've said Gwobbygar because there's a G in it. Oh, silent G. Silent Island G's got him. And uh, well, I you can see... this is one I needed to probably confer with my old man with before I did it. But, uh, you know, if you pronounce Wobbygar without the silent G again, you'll get hate mail from all 288 <laughs> residents. It might take. <laughs> Mitch from Tenworth says it might take three weeks to get the French's forest, though. <laughs> Um, apologies to everyone at Wobbygar this morning then. How did you get that wrong? We didn't pick him up, did we? <laughs> no, well, he was very proud of himself, but I didn't up. want to second guess him. Where oh, is Wobbygar? It, it's, uh, it was What's north it? of Dubbo, up Coonabarra brand way. Okay. Mm. Yeah, been there. And what, what, no, no, what was the temperature there? I've been there? to like, um, Quambo and come by a chance, yeah. sort of in that sort of range. Yeah. Was it was it hot there or was there yeah. some rain forecast? Uh, it was oh no thunderstorms possibly severe there today. Mm, okay, you listen to my weather. Well, no, I didn't. No, I certainly didn't pick up the silent G. Right. Put it that way. No. So you get apology accepted, you know, from me. Do you want to make it in this game, son? <laughs> if you're going to be the next <laughs> the next weather reporter for Channel Ten. <laughs> Perky's already told us, mate, your pronunciation yeah. is not good enough. Pronunciation. That's the word. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stanley. Oh, You're going to make it in this game, son. You've got to get things correct. Wobbyga. 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 Anyway, can I, just, like can, fish. can I just ask, how are you pulling out these towns? Where's the... Well, I just get why on the you map choosing? in the morning. Oh, okay. Just pick somewhere. Yeah, pick somewhere. Oh, okay. Because someone blew up a couple of weeks ago I like about... It. Mate, you only give Sydney weather. Yeah, more I do, people I do listen like that you're doing this. Sydney. I think this is, this so, is good. And the good thing is it's going to end up education for all of us. So well, you, geography, history, I'm yeah. learning a lot. Pronunciation. Pronunciation. <laughs> the whole box and dice. <laughs> Wobby Guard with the silent G. Uh, we're going to speak to Sydney Kings guard Angus Glover shortly, but just some news around the trap. So Appy Coruscant has been announced as captain of the West Tigers for season 2023, their new recruit. Uh now, we also saw a host of Aussies go for great figures at the WPL auction, the inaugural auction there last night. Ash Gardner, $558,000 for three weeks' work coming up. Beth Mooney, 349000 Elise Perry, 295000 Worth every penny. You know, the girls, pay them more. Tell you what, that's, that's great. Pay them more. Have they not been the best yeah, they, team they in have. this country for the past 10 years? They have. But if, if you compare it... To the the men's IPL. Yep. So how long's the men's well, IPL go? Yeah, okay. Now it's eight weeks, but it started as a six week tournament, and guys were getting oh. about one. The highest paid were getting about one point five million yep. when it started. Now it's an eight week tournament, and Cameron Green's getting three, three million. million. So, so the girls so you would think this tournament will go longer over time. I, yeah, I think it? you'll see more teams come in. With the women's um, IPL. So it's only going to go Definitely. Up. Definitely. Jeez, if you're a young girl playing cricket Mate. now, well, you're going to fortune. Three weeks work. 530 grand for three weeks. So let's look at... Um, she could be a million Sam, dollar pie. Is it Sam Kerr? Sam Carr. Kerr. Sam Kerr. Kerr what, what would she be getting? I don't reckon she'd be getting that much for a full season. 
There you go. Ooh, yeah, I'm not sure. And, she, and we're saying she's one of our most well-known athletes mm. in the country? Oh, definitely. I'd like to check numbers there. I reckon it'd be, I don't think she'd be getting that much for the season. Got so a feeling she would be. Okay. It's good money. 530 Playing grand for, for three Chelsea, weeks. I think she would be. Okay. But it would be... Yeah, I don't know. Actually, but that's a whole season contract. This is a three-week contract. That's very, very true. So it's big, big money. Mm. And but I'm, I, I think, the, I think the girls deserve it. Mm. Ash Gardner, she's a superstar all round. A bat ball field. Elise Perry, uh, Meg Lett, like they, 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 these guys have earned their cash. That's for sure. And now the Sydney Kings are looking to run it back. You can help play your part in history as they take on the Cairns Taipans. Semi-final series game one starts tomorrow. Kudos Bank Arena and tickets start. From just $30 for adults, $65 for a family. Get your tickets via Ticket Tech. And joining us now, ahead of the big one tomorrow night, is their guard, Angus Glover. Angus, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to have you on the show. And it'll be 10 days between games for the Kings. And you won two of your last six. I mean, just how intense has training been in that period? And what's been the focus? Um, Yeah, no, it's been pretty intense. Um... Obviously, we haven't known, uh, well, we didn't know um, who our opponent was going to be until uh, Sunday. So um, we had a week to really just worry about ourselves. And um, I think it's been really good for us. And, um, yeah, now just obviously locking into Cairns. And, and um, yeah, we'll be ready to go for tomorrow. Angus, how important is game one of this three-game series? A bit massive. Um, massive for both teams. I think, obviously, it's a momentum booster. Um, getting game one, um, obviously you, know, you need two to advance. So, um, yeah, obviously game one's massive, and um, you don't you don't give Cairns uh, any confidence or momentum going up there um, for game two. What's been the big focus leading into the finals and into the playoffs? Because you, Mido mentioned that record, and you lost your last two regular season games, and I also. Um, read an article where you, your coach Chase Buford wasn't happy with the defensive side of the Kings game. So has that been a focus? Yeah, definitely. It's been a massive focus for us. Um, like I said, we've only uh, really worried about Cairns since knowing um, that we were getting them uh, from Sunday. So that whole week prior, we've just worked a lot, um, competed a lot, um, but really focused on our def- on the defensive end, uh, getting back to um, how we how we were guarding earlier in the year, and um, yeah, hopefully we uh, translate what we did last week uh, into the series. Uh, Angus, do you think the week off uh, is a is a positive for you guys? I guess in regards to allowing guys to let their niggles heal, but what about in regards to momentum? Does that make a difference? Do you think uh, it can? But I think um, with the week we've had and uh, things like that, I feel like um, it won't affect us at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess it, it, it can. Um, other sports, obviously, uh, I know, obviously, AFL, NRL, um, you uh, you win the first week and um, you can get that second week off as well. So, um, yeah, it can be a factor, but at the same time, I think it won't affect us at all um, with the week that we've had. I'm sure you watched keenly uh, the match between Cairns and Perth. I mean, did you think it'd be Cairns? I know they finished higher on the ladder, but Perth were coming home strong and... Uh, well. We know the rivalry that you have with the Wildcats. So how how did you feel, how do you feel about playing the Taipans? Um, yeah, no Taipans. I think is a um, yeah. I mean they've come out and said that um, 
their dream finals matchup is playing the Kings. So uh, now they've got us, it's time to um, put the sword to them a bit. And um, but yeah, in the day we went really too fast here. We played, um, yeah, the championship comes to us. So we're still the we're still we we came first, and um, whether we're the defending champions. So um, yeah, everyone. Everyone's got to go through us to win it, so yeah. um, we, we don't really mind who we play. And Angus, as a champion, you know that you know, the teams are going to be the, the hunter. They're, they're, they're coming after you guys. And the Taipans coach is former Kings coach Adam Ford uh, only a couple of years ago, and already he's starting to play the mind games and winding the Cairns players up because I was reading he was talking about how you were training next to each other only uh, 12, 18 months ago and... They, they could hear you talking about the Taipans, saying they were soft, they were terrible at doing this and that. So obviously he's getting into the players and it's going to be a physical battle out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cairns are a very physical team. Um, they grab hold every possession. But yeah, I mean, um, it's finals basketball and um, you got to expect that um, as a player. And um, yeah, I mean, Forty's obviously going to rev them up and... Um, but yeah, we'll be ready for for um, their assault and things like that. But um, yeah, like like I said, um, as much as we're worrying about cans, we also worry about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think if we um, if we take care of what we can do, um, we'll take care of business. Uh, I know with any sporting team, you're not looking any further than Wednesday night's game. But being the dominant team in the NBL last season and this year, how big it disappointment would it be if you didn't make it through to the final this year? Um, yeah, I mean, basically I think any player um, wants to make a final in general, but also wants to go on and win it. Um, I think, yeah, probably a lot of, honestly, a lot of players probably see um, not winning it as a um, as a disappointment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they can, there can only be uh, one winner each year. So, um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, something that we want to do again and go back to back and, um, yeah, be in some very rare territory. Um, not often teams get to go get a chance to go back to back and, um, yeah, we've got that chance so we know how lucky we are and, um, yeah, we've got a pretty special group so hopefully we can, we can carry out and uh, do it. Angus, some great crowds there at Kudos Bank Arena this season. That atmosphere, tell us how crucial it's been in the team's success. Yeah, massive. Um, they're our sixth man, really. Like, feels like um, we've got an extra player on the court just because of um, how good our fans have been this year. And uh, yeah, I've said it before; they're the best fans in the league. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see um, how many people we get there tomorrow. And um, yeah, cheering, uh, cheering us on. Well, we look forward to seeing a big game tomorrow night. Appreciate your time this morning. Good luck, and uh, let's hope we're cheering another win. No worries. Thanks for having me. Give us a call, 1353353. Send us a text, 0419767272. And John from Wingham. And uh, I think we've touched on this before, Pup. G'day all. The body language of the Australians was the worst I've seen in a long time, except for two players, Todd Murphy and Scott Boland, unfortunately. The residue from South Africa five years ago still affects this team. It's like we've lost our our imprimatur, our... Our, our personality, I never want to see our national team as out of control as it was, but I'm over this goody-goody gumdrops crap as well, says John from Wingham. I hope I've got that text right, but uh, we know what you're getting at there mm. is that 
yeah, it seems like we've become... I've felt this way as well for a long time. Yes, we had to, you know, obviously change the way we went about it, but we have gone too far the other way, pup. It's all Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, look, you're I playing test cricket for your country. I don't think you you're want a mental win. edge over your opponent. Yeah, yeah. You're playing sport at the highest level, and it's tough. And I think if you are playing to try and please everyone, you're you're kidding yourself. It's not going to happen. Look, I, when I first started playing for Australia, that team was disliked by the Australian public because they were too hard. You know, under Steve War. We got criticised for, for being too tough and, and, and crossing that line from overconfident to arrogant. So there was criticism of that. And now, since Sandpaper Gate, there's criticism that we, we are a bit goody two-shoes and trying to be liked rather than respected. So, yeah, look, I think it really depends on your personality and, and your style. Um, for me, as a player and, and how I grew up playing cricket, I was, I was definitely on that. I'd rather be respected than liked attitude. And I was happy to, once you step onto that field, as tough as you could be, you were going to be because you wanted to win for your country. And I felt that was the way I played my best cricket. And we as a team played our best cricket. Um, Paddy Cummins might see it differently. Andrew McDonald might see it differently. But the other thing as well, there's a lot of tournaments now around the world that there never used to be where you're playing with opposition players a lot more, such as the IPL and BBL and things like that. So you are closer to opposition than ever before. But I'd like to think, you know, I think of someone like Graham Smith. I have a great friendship with him, but when we played against each other... Oh, it was on. Mate, it was just... He, he probably he probably hopped into me more than any other player. And I loved that challenge, but he was the first guy I'd go and have a drink with after mm. the game. And I'm sure, Loz, you would see that in Origin every day. You're playing on the same team as someone, club footy. Yeah. Then you go to Origin and you just, mate, I'm not, I'm not here to talk to you. I'll talk to you after the game. Yeah, well, it used to happen with your teammates. Yeah. You wouldn't speak to them before the game. You'd walk past each other. You'd try and make eye contact. But the Queenslanders always didn't make eye contact with you. I was always happy enough to say g'day. Yeah. But they, for some reason, I reckon it must have been told drilled to. into them. Yeah. Just don't talk. Don't even acknowledge yeah. the opposition. But on the field, there's, you're not mates. No. You're there to beat them. No. And well, that's, that's what I think. I feel like there's times where we are very, you know, little things in cricket that I, I, I grew up learning. If you block the ball and it lands at your feet, if I ever picked that ball no. up and threw it to the bowler, my old man, he'd run yeah. out onto the field. Yeah, no, you're not doing that. Even though I was playing for Australia, I'd hear him yell. If I did that playing for Australia, I'd hear his voice going, hey, you want a field? Put your bat down and field. That's the fielder's job. Yet these days, we just pick it up and toss it back yeah, to the bowler, so or you know, mm. the guy. As mm. Alan Border was saying the other day, the batter blood goes to block a ball, they miss it, and they get oh, well bowl, mate, great ball. Yeah, that's spun away. That's yeah, a good ball. Like, no way would you be saying anything nice to the bowler. Imagine they be doing that. Oh, not in a million. So I think we just got to. Yeah, I, mm. I think like respect that they're better friends now, probably than ever, but. I can understand if you're not playing well and, and things are not going to plan that we have, I think, since Sandpaper Gate, we've been very, very nervous to to play on that borderline line. Not overstep it, but hit that line hard, you know. So uh, it must be tough for the guys in there as well to work out how do we win. We go to hard. And you can't use Sandpaper Gate as playing hard. That wasn't playing hard. <laughs> that was cheating. So I think there's still a big gap. I think if you look at Australian cricket success over a long period of time, it's by playing tough, hard at Aussie brand of cricket. And then we are. We are the first team to walk into next door's change room and have a drink or shake their hands or, you know, I played against opposition where the blokes wouldn't even shake your hands. Like, we never do that as Aussies. 
we always, win, lose or draw, mm. go and do that. So I think we can continue working on trying to find that happy medium. And just more on that on the text line. Morning, boys. Good call from AB on the Aussies praising the Indian bowlers. Steve Smith's weird habits and overreactions are starting to wear very thin on me. He's carrying on more than Lozer at an English sale marquee when he doesn't middle the ball. It's like he gets two or three balls of the century of the century every over. Just keep your head down and give them nothing, Smithy, says Dora the free pourer from Eleonora. And I'm sure, Loz, I can't remember if you told us this on or off air, but... Uh, didn't you once... Be careful. When, yeah. No, no, <laughs> Whoa. no. Didn't you once, uh, when obviously Mal was Queensland mm. captain, didn't you wait in the dressing room, wait him wait for, for the, the toss. coin toss? Yeah, and, it was his last ever game. Oh, he, and you walked out and wasn't he... Abs- oh, he was filthy. He was filthy. Phil Gould told me to do it. <laughs> Gus Gass, mate, don't, don't go out there. Don't... don't. Don't put him under the bus at all. It wasn't me, Shaggy. It was Phil Gould. Gus goes to me and goes, mate, we're going to let him wait. He said, you've waited for him all the way through his career. He can wait for you. So I said, right, what do I do? Last game. Last game. He said, mate, just don't go out for the toss. He said, let him come chasing. I said, what do you mean? He said, go in there, hide. And he said, you know, the touch he'd come in and go, right, boys, toss, toss. Where's your captain? Where's your captain? (laughs) They'd yell out, we don't know, we can't find him. <laughs> Anyhow, he, he come back out because they like to film the toss for yeah. television yeah. purposes mm. as well, you know. Mate, they were going off. And I was hiding in a back room. <laughs> so and then they, then they had to go out. It was about four or five minutes late. Mal had been standing out there. So good. And I went out there, and you know when you do the old shake the captain, and I put my hand out. I don't know whether he wanted to shake it. Did he shake it? Just. Yeah. Just and I, yeah, I felt bad because I felt, oh, he's going to murder me. He's just going to hammer me. But you can tell, you know when you can tell someone's steamy, pissed off? Steamy, yeah. Just steamy. Yeah. And he was just staring at me and I was like, it wasn't me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was Gus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Surab Ganguly oh, and Steve yeah. Warren. Oh, no, I, think, I, think oh. I think Surab did that too. I did that Mate, I was very, oh, I was times. nervous. Don't worry about that. I was... <laughs> Yeah, I was got under going, his skin. It worked. Well, it did you, work. Did you win the game? Yeah, we did. Then it worked. But it was one of those ones where you've just felt so uncomfortable. No way. But I, I'd tell Play someone on. to well do done, it now Gus. too. Yeah. If I was a coach yeah. I, in a big game or something, I'd nearly tell my player to do it. If, because it was Mal's last ever game mm. as well. So he would have been feeling a bit nervous because it was his last ever game in Queensland. So, and, and yeah, Gus sort of... Mental tactics. Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. Liverpool Football Club 1, Everton nil, courtesy of a goal just a few minutes ago from Mo Salah there at Anfield this morning in the Merseyside derby. So we're in the 39th minute there uh, in the first half. Stewie Clark coming up shortly. Just we're talking before the news about, you know, various games within the games that happen. And uh, there was one actually up with the Aussies uh, on Sunday, so which would have been day four of the test. They actually wanted to use the centre wicket and the nets there to do some training. Mm-hmm. Probably need some yep. after what we saw. Yep. Uh, and this was approved to occur, but then the message didn't get through to the ground staff, so yeah, they watered the, the pitch and <laughs> the training nets. So Happened before. It was all cancelled, and I was thinking, surely you would have seen all Happened. sorts of skullduggery well, in your touring days. That's actually, that's legit, that. So generally what happens, uh, it's like, you call it naughty boy nets. So if you've got flogged by a team, normally the next day, 
instead of having a day off, you the coach says, Rightio, uh-uh, we're going to training. So what they would have done, he said, Rightio, well, this is, we talk about no tour game. This is the best preparation. This wicket's spinning. It's, mm. um, you know, there's natural variation. We want to practice in these conditions. So the test match was going to continue for another two days. Now that the game's over, can we just use the centre wicket for a, for a training session? And generally the groundsman are okay with that unless they've got another game happening soon. Um, and there's been times where, yep, we've been able to go and use the pitch and you train, practice, go home, whatever. But it seems like they've probably asked the BCCI. They've approved it, saying, yeah, absolutely fine, but forgot to tell the groundsman. And generally, forgot. after a test match, though, normally in Australia, it normally happens straight after the game. So the game finishes at 3 o'clock. The groundsmen are on the ground hosing the whole wicket. The wicket's drenched by that night. So it seems like they've done that and the boys haven't been able to to get any practice in. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I've said it a million times about playing in India. You don't need a prepared pitch to train. Go and get your bowlers to bowl to you on the side of the pitch. Go and bat on the grass. That's where you get natural variation. Put all your padding on. Put your helmet on. Put whatever you got on and go and bat on the side of the wicket that's unprepared. And that's how you'll get the most extreme conditions that no matter what you get in a game, it won't be that hard. So I understand the Aussie boys' frustration. That would have been great training for them. Um... But in saying that, they're probably in no place mentally to be out in 40 degrees again, you know, working on making the same mistakes. Guys trying to sweep and missing it and getting LB done. I think they've got to, I think individually they've got to look at their plans first and foremost. They've got to assess their plans in those conditions. Then, whether you train it for one day or four days now, I don't know if that's enough time. So you just got to back yourself. Yes, you go and practice it at training, of course, but you've got to be set on your plan before you get there. You know, if you're Alex Carey and you're said, I'm sweeping, then guess what, boy? You better keep sweeping. I know you got out twice to it. Don't worry about it. Keep sweeping. That is your plan. Any plan is better than no plan. And the confidence you have in that plan dictates whether you make runs a lot of the time or you don't. Because you can, like I say, batting second in those conditions, you can all get out. You, you know, you can, you can get one that bounces. You can get one that rolls along the ground. But if you've got a plan, you give yourself the best chance. And that's what gives you confidence as well. You back that you've been doing the work over a long period of time. You've been training in Australia. You've been training in India. You know, you've used that plan a number of times. You don't just go, righty I'm walking out to a test match and I'm going to try, I'm going to try a reverse sweep today. I've never practiced a reverse sweep in my life. You're not going to do that. For me, it was, righty I'm going to use my feet. I'm trying to get as close to the ball or as far away from the ball as I can. Risk with that, I can run past it and get stumped. You know, but that was my plan. So I was willing to take that risk. That's what the boys need to do. Work out individually. What is their strength? How do they play spin bowling best? And then have the courage to go with it. Joining us, 24 tests for Australia, Stewie Clark. Stewie, morning. Morning, boys. Uh what have you made of all the rhetoric and, I guess, the fallout from the first test and, I guess, the reasonably defiant comments from the coach, Andrew McDonald, and others about the team they actually picked? Oh, look, it's easy to sit back and run commentary when you get beaten like you got beaten. I don't think it's uh, anyone here. Everyone, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Andrew McDonald's going to come out and defend his team. Of course, he's going to do He's the coach. He's part of the selection panel. Pat Cummins is going to do the same. Um, I suppose it's our job, or more so your guys' job, to sit there and, uh, and run commentary. I think the bit that gets me about it all, though, is, and we talked about it before the series started, were they as well-prepared as they could be? And the general consensus, if you talk to anyone on the street, is no, they weren't. No practice game, no tour match, turn up, won the toss 
on a wicket that was going to be good for batting on the first day, a little bit difficult, but then got harder throughout the match, and then got dusted in a manner that people are pretty disappointed about. So, to me, I, I look, you, you can say all you want. They got they got smoke. India are a pretty good team in their own country. But I just don't think they were well enough prepared. That, that would be my comment on it all. Stewie, what do we do then with the 11, assuming, uh, well, we know Hazelwood's not fit. Stark, big question mark, and Cameron Green, big question mark. Assuming those two don't pull up fit, I'm, if I'm reading it correctly, I think Andrew McDonald's saying they're going to play the same team. Well, I think that they, they obviously... Todd Murphy obviously did really well, so you can't leave him out of the team from a bowling point of view. I thought Scott Boland bowled really well, didn't get any wickets. Paddy Cummins looked, you know, again, looked a bit underdone in, the, in his first yeah. spell and got better throughout the match. Um, I don't understand the Travis Head thing. That, that's confusing. I know his record isn't great against spin, but look, some of the other guys haven't got a great record either. I'd, I'd be getting him back into the team. Now, where? Um, I would have had him in there in place of Matthew Renshaw. Um, will they go? Do you think they've got it in them to leave Warner out? I know people have been calling for maybe David Warner to be left out. I'm not so sure I'd do that at the moment, given you've been beaten by so so many. I know Kuhneman's flying over there. He watched a little bit of him bowl in domestic cricket. He's a pretty good bowler, and he would be hard work, and he offers a little bit of variety. But that means you've got to either, A, play three spinners, which, well, I'm not sure they're going to do that, or you've got to leave out, you'd want to say you've got to leave out, leave out Nathan Lyon. I'm pretty sure they're not going to do that. So I think they've painted themselves into a corner where very difficult to change the team. That's exactly what you've oh, been saying, Buck, isn't it? I just, this is why I think, I think if they started with their, like Travis said at number five, right? If they start with him and it doesn't work, then you can make a change. Now, they either shoot themselves in the foot if they drop Matt Renshaw because they say, okay, we made a mistake, which Andrew McDonald's come out and said, we haven't made a mistake. And to bring – it's just oh, – they put themselves in such a tough position. And even – I know um, our spinners did a good job, but I, I don't know if two right-arm offies is the right balance for us as well. But you can't, as Stewie just said, oh, how do you drop one of them? You can't. Hey, Stewie, there just seems to be, like, like Steve Waugh came out on Instagram blowing up about the Travis Head non-selection. I mean, how often do you see Steve Waugh come out publicly and say something like that? You saw Damian Martin did a tweet, hashtag Justin Langer, and uh, he then ended up going and deleting that tweet. Yes, I know they're WA old mates, etc., but there just seems to be an undertone from former players, from a lot of fans on our text line as well, of disgruntlement still that, you know, and and I I guess with the team that was picked the other day, that, you know, people aren't happy still about the way this team has evolved under its new coach, its new leadership. And as soon as we get a result like we got the other day, that's magnified. Yeah. Look, people are outraged about most things these days. Um, get outraged a lot. The Australian cricket team, it's very its very personal for a lot of people because they see it as the ultimate in cricket and there's a lot of cricket fans out there that you know really, really you know, take pride in the success of the Australian cricket team. Um, you know, you're right, you don't see Steve Wall coming out a lot. Um, you don't even hear from Derek a lot up there in, uh, in the Gold Coast. You don't even know um, Damien Martin, what he's up to. But oh, look, I, you sit here and bag the Australian cricket team and I just don't know whether that's 
going to achieve anything because Andrew McDonald, Pat Cummins, they've got a plan in place. I, I agree. I mean, I'm sort of, sort of going back to what we said before. In, they've painted themselves into such a corner now that they're almost stuck. And unless they get some injury relief, i.e. Stark and Cameron Green come back, I, I can't see how they can make any changes without looking like, A, well, either A, there's a massive overreaction to what happened in the first game, or two, accepting that they got it wrong. And I don't think they want to do either of those. Well, most importantly so, then, buddy, can we win this second test in Delhi? Uh, how long ago did we did that India lose? 1987. 1987, the last time yeah. India lost in Delhi. Can we win this test match? Oh, well, we're going to have to play. A, we're going to have to bat a lot better. B, we're going to have to bowl a lot better. I think we can't start the way we did with the ball with you know dishing up a bunch of half volleys on leg stump to, to row at Sharma and let him get his eye in. Um, the reality is Smith, Lava Shane are going to have to do the bulk of the scoring. Um, Davey Warner needs to find some form as there's also in Kawaja. And you've got to remember, they got runs at different stages not that long ago in Sydney um, and in Melbourne. So it's going to be tough, but your senior players, your most experienced players, Nathan Lyon included, Pat Cummins, have got to put the Australian cricket team on their back and they've got to carry them. Otherwise, it's going to be really, really tough. The other thing that they must do, and it didn't help in this uh, in this test, they've got to win the toss because batting second and fourth is almost uh, it's almost a fait accompli. I think. Are we too nice, Stewie? Do we need to turn this into Sutherland v Wests oh. circa early two thousands? I might have been, uh, early, mate, might have been earlier than that. <laughs> it might have been, been 1996, <laughs> I reckon, when Stewie tried to rip my head off as a kid. It might have been late 90s. Really. <laughs> um, I, think, I, 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 boys, I think we're way too nice. And I'm not saying you have to go out there and abuse the bejesus out of them all. Um, that's exact. That's completely incorrect, and that's where it'll get. sometimes it gets context. But we're just too nice. We're, we're, we're friendly, and I get they're all mates now, and they hang out in their IPLs and the various Premier Leagues around the world and all the rest of it. But, but I think... That we haven't. The Australian cricket team was known for its hard edge, and I was listening to to Pup two seconds ago saying we were criticised for being too hard. Now we're criticised for being not hard enough. Um, so what we've got to do is we've got to win by a million, and we've got to do it with a smile on our face. And unfortunately, that just that's just not reality. I, the game is competitive. It's supposed to be competitive. You're playing for your country or whatever team you're playing for. You're allowed to get a little bit hot under the collar occasionally without going overboard. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just not the way the modern game's played. I don't know. But I certainly enjoyed it more when the game was played like that. Stewie, thanks so much. Chat soon. Go on, you boys. Speak soon. I remember all that talk about the pitch, Clark. I remember all of your talk was that you? about the pitch. <laughs> and I remember reading headline after headline about the pitch. But as... Actually, as Loz said... I've got don't, some grief don't judge line. a wicket until both teams have batted on it. And unfortunately, we had the best of the batting conditions and India looked very comfortable. I was saying to you, Ravi Ashwin's defence looked as good as any of our batters' defence. So that's the area I think the boys should be working on over the next mm. few days in preparation for Friday. Just work on defending and batting for long periods of time. Don't worry about the big down the wicket, over cover for four, slog sweep for six. We've, we know you've got all those shots. When you get to 20 or 30, you can slowly bring those out. But how do we get? How do I individually get to 10? How do I get off the mark? How do I get to two? How do I get to five? How do I get to 10 at the start of my innings against the Indian spinners? You got that plan sorted? The rest will take care of itself. Brad Davidson, good morning. Good morning, guys. 
review what we saw on Saturday and start with Godolphin. And uh, what did you make of NMO? Yeah, what a day it was for Godolphin, wasn't it? They had a, a great day in, in both states. And he just keeps on winning, doesn't he? NMO, he had a beautiful ride there by James McDonald on Saturday. Put him in the perfect spot. They roll forward in a race with not a lot of speed. And uh, he just doesn't make mistakes, guys. That's the... That's the thing about him. I, I saw a tweet on social media suggesting that basically when he settles in the first six in a race, he basically doesn't lose. But when he gets back further than that, that's when that's when he, he can be beaten. So look, he's put right there in the in the box seat. He peeled out at the top of the straight and he did the job nicely as as he generally does. And his overall rating was pretty much identical to what he did first up last preparation. So he looks right on track, guys. To and the great thing about him is. Every every start really in his career um, in the last three or four preparations he improved second third fourth fifth up so uh, really good kick off for him I, I thought Fangio was terrific in the same race guys I I think if she jumped out of the gate she missed the start which she hadn't been doing at the trials so she would have gone close to winning that race her late sectionals were best of the day she was back on the inside which wasn't the best part of the track and just had to get too far back in in a slowly run race just simply because she blew the start so. If she jumped with them, she could have been midfield there and potentially out-sprinted them late. But, um, yep, she's got that uh, habit of missing the start sometimes, and she did that on Saturday. Geez, you've got a good crop of horses at the moment, haven't they? Godolphin, Dave, you looked at uh, what Aft Cabin did last week and then Animo and In Secret winning the Light Fingers. What did you make of her return? Yeah, they do, don't they? And, of course, they had success with... Barbara and exploring in the uh, the Blue Diamond preludes down south as well. But, look, she was good in secret. Um, I thought it was a terrific ride by Nash after she missed the start. He got her into a beautiful spot there midfield, and she showed her class late there, winning in really nice style. The concern I do have with her, though, is is that missing the start, and she did that again on, on Saturday. So she did it in two barrier trials, and now she's done it uh, at her first race start, this preparation. So, look, you can get away with that... Uh, against um, you know opposition like on Saturday where she did have a bit of class on her rivals. But once she steps up in up in grade and starts taking on the bigger guns, um, that's going to be a concern. So I'm sure James Cummings will be wanting to iron that little uh, that little thing out there because, um, yeah, she won't be wanting to do that against uh, the better horses. So uh, some little concern with the way she starts, but there's no doubt in her class and, and the way she finished there on, on Saturday was uh, particularly strong. What are your thoughts on the protest which saw Jackano end up being awarded the CFO over Gentleman Roy, which obviously crossed the line first? Yeah, look, I thought it was a, a 50-50 call, guys. And um, as I said on social media on Saturday, I'm, I'm all for those types of protests being upheld. Uh, you know, I've said for many years, I think we give far too much benefit of the doubt and credit to the horse that finishes first past the post, but only does so by breaking the, the rules of racing. Now, obviously, uh, uh, the initial winner shifted out onto onto Jack and I, their gentleman Roy, and uh, whether that was enough to overturn the protest, the, the stewards obviously thought it was, and there were there were differing views around that. But look, the only question you have to ask in a protest was was the interference more than the margin? If that's the case, then uphold the protest. So I think, like I said, for far too long, we give the benefit of the doubt to the winner and it's almost like the the second horse that has done everything right and hasn't broken any rules has to prove beyond reasonable doubt that they would have won the race. I would just love a system where 51% of the time, if the stewards say, no, the second horse would have won, then uphold the protest. So I think we give far too much credit to, to the initial winner. So... 
yeah, I'm all for that. And uh, Jack and I gets the gets the chocolates. And Gentleman Roy, unfortunately, has to settle for second. Is there any two-year-olds down there, Davo, that you think could do well in a slip-up? Uh, no, Loz, mm. to be frank. Um, they look uh, a pretty average bunch in Melbourne at the moment. And look, I know Barber got the job done in exploring as well. But again, the times were nothing flash. And uh, if I'm a Sydney trainer with a decent two-year-old at the moment, I'm going to the Blue Diamond. I, I give you the tip because that race is well and truly up for grabs and there's nothing down there that has put their hand up and run time yet. Where in Sydney, there's been several races here already where they've actually done something on the clock. And I think if I had a horse that was sort of second or third, you know, we know Lenning to Fly is obviously uh, going to concentrate on the on the Golden Slipper after winning the uh, the Millennium there on really in really good style on the weekend after giving them the start. But if there's, if I'm sort of in that race and I'm third, fourth, or even the lead-up races in the last few weeks and just in behind them, I'd be having a crack for sure because, like I said, they just haven't run time yet at all down there in Melbourne. And uh, that Blue Diamond of Group 1 is definitely up for grabs at the moment. Just before we get your horses to follow, uh, g'day, lads. Mido, can you ask Brad about Godolphin Horse Cylinder, the two-year-old in for the Silver Slipper, asks Azar in this uh, this Colt trialled very well recently. Yeah, it's trialled well. I'll um, have good look at the race on Wednesday when the final fill comes out. I generally don't have too much of a look at them on a Monday or Tuesday, so I'll probably give you more of an idea later on in the week, but um, definitely has trial well leading in. What are you following out of the weekend? Look, I think Fangirl's a horse we can follow, guys, on dry tracks. Um, she needs to, you know, not miss a start, but generally she she jumps okay, so I'm just putting that down to just a um, giving her a bit of a forgive there on, on Saturday. I thought she was terrific late in the piece and um, she's going to have a good preparation. And obviously the first win at Cafe Millennium wasn't any impressive there on Saturday. He ran quicker time than learning to fly in the Millennium. His late splits were, were very, very strong and looks raw and a very big horse is still working what it's all about. But, uh, gee, there's no doubt he's got that late strength. So that's going to hold him in really good stead going forward. And who are we sacking? Oh, well, look, Espiona, guys, she disappointing again. I uh, thought that it was a really winnable race there for her on the weekend. I didn't have her on top, but uh, I thought when she sort of loomed up on the inside, she should have really put that race away. So still laying in a little bit. Maybe she needs wet tracks. Maybe she needs a Melbourne way of going, or maybe she just hasn't uh, quite gone on with the job. So she needs to show a bit more at this stage. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, guys.